It's time for Horrenda's Agenda, Bill's reflections on sports and life. Welcome to this edition of Horrenda's Agenda. Today's guest has turned around the previously moribund Charlotte Hornets franchise in true Vicky Sue Robinson turn-the-beat-around fashion. Steve Clifford, who has taken the Hornets to the playoffs in two of three seasons, welcome to Horrenda's Agenda. Oh, it's great to be with you. Steve, I have to say that last December I appeared on radio in Charlotte, and it wasn't hours, but it could have been days later that you received the contract extension. Now, I don't want to say I have powers <laughs> to move markets like Fed Reserve Chair Janet Yellen, but uh, boom, there it was. That had to be something special and a great reflection on you and your staff, I'm sure. You're, you know what? I'll be honest. Your name came up in the conversation, so I appreciate that. Well, it's the least I could do, Steve. No question about it. And this question, uh, it may be a one that you're tired of, but what is it like working for Michael Jordan, the owner of the Charlotte Hornets? Oh, it's, no, it's great. I mean, um, we've established a, a really good working relationship, and I get that question actually from a lot of coaches. And I think that uh, in many, many ways, I would think that he's probably the easiest owner to work for simply because – he has such a, a great idea of what's going on, you know, the challenges of the players, the challenges of the coaches, um, the ups and downs of an NBA season. Uh, he watches the league closely, watches our team closely, and uh, he gives me great advice. So, uh, you know, I, I just think that, uh, again, I get that a lot, but I, I think in many ways he'd be the easiest order to work for. And, of course, Steve, 13 years as an assistant coach in the NBA. Is there anything taking over as a head coach in the league that has surprised you or perhaps was more amplified than you realized uh, in your preparation to move over one seat? I think the biggest thing is your days are less structured. Um, you know, I think when you're an assistant in this league, you can really kind of plan your day. You know, I, I need to watch this film. Uh, I need to work out these guys. Uh, you know, maybe you need to, you know, check with the head coach about something. Um, but with the head coach, your days, you know, you can plan all you want, but things are po- constantly popping up. So I found that to be the biggest challenge. And, Steve, one of your great quotes that I've seen over the last couple of years is chemistry doesn't happen by accident. And your players, the exit interviews that they had, in particular th- this last season, were glowing. Again, a terrific reflection on you and your staff. How have you been able to uh, engender the right culture to turn things around in Charlotte and to do it in a hurry? Well, I think the biggest thing, Bill, is just, again, is, you know, really culture in any organization is the people. And, um, you know, when I was studying the team uh, to come to interview here, they, you know, they weren't, they hadn't had a lot of success, but they had guys that competed very hard. You know, Kemba was young, Michael Kidd Gilchrist was young, and I could tell from watching them on tape uh, that they were very hard playing guys. And uh, I remember Bill, Bill Parcells used to say, you need guys who will compete without the aid of a coach. And I think that's what we have here. We have a group of guys who are, Serious players, committed players, guys who want to get the most out of their pro career. Um, And really, that's what your culture is. I mean, if you study 
successful corporations, organizations, you know, it always gets back to who you hire, you know, who's working in the organization. I just think we have a good group of guys. Steve, notwithstanding the culture that you've built, it's a business. Of course, you have some key losses free agency-wise with Al Jefferson, Jeremy Lin, and Courtney Lee departing. You have new pieces coming in. Of course, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, Knockwood, that he's healthy in this campaign. What is your outlook for this season? I I think the fair question at this juncture before training camp is not, you know, comparing Charlotte to Cleveland, Boston, Toronto, Detroit, and New York, but maybe looking at you guys were top 10 in offensive and defensive rating last season, ninth in both categories, 18th in pace. Where do you see the improvement necessary and what key pieces do you think will help get you there? Well, I think the thing that would stand out if you just look at our personnel and you just alluded to it would be um, can we take a jump up defensively? You know, when you add a guy like Michael Kidd-Gilchrist and then Roy Hibbert, uh, you're talking about an elite perimeter defender and then a guy who's been an elite basket protector. So I think that's where we're hopeful that, you know, we can go from ninth to, say, fourth or fifth uh, and then, you know, try to get back to the level where we can be a top-ten offensive team again. And Steve, you talk a lot about the people that you associate with and the books you read, and you mentioned Parcells and, and culture. What are you reading this summer? Uh, you know what? I, the, the, the two I really liked were the one was Take the Lead by Betsy Myers, uh, which is a really good book, and then Start with Why by Simon Sinek were two two good books, two books on leadership, uh, again, which deal a lot with, you know, culture and, um, you know, handling success, handling failure, trying to trying to have a way that you can lead, which will be successful over a longer period of time. Um, then I also read early into some of the education of a coach, which is really good. It was one of the Belichick books. And Steve, I read this summer uh, Jack McCallum's book on D'Antoni's sons back in the day, and one of the themes that came up reading that book for me was how to distill information and how successful D'Antoni was and his staff. How do you ensure that your guys are prepared but they're not overloaded, particularly in this era where obviously metrics and the analytics have just exploded and the ability to utilize film, how do you create that balance that they're prepared but just not paralyzed by, you know, over-preparation? Uh, it's one of the big challenges. And, I, you know, I worked for Mike in L.A., and it's actually, I'll go back to the book Take the Lead, Betsy Meyer. She has a whole chapter on uh, the importance of, of clarifying things, you know, starting with yourself so that you're concise and you know exactly what your vision is. And, you know, that's the first step in you being able to do that for your team and your staff. And, uh, you know, Mike has real beliefs in the way to play. Um, He's also very bright and a terrific communicator. So um, that that was a good book. And, uh, he is. I mean, he has many, many strengths, but I think the way he talks to the team and the way that he communicates with everyone is one of his big strengths. And, of course, you mentioned your time with the Lakers, Tim Duncan retiring, Kobe Bryant retiring, uh, two mainstays of the league. What did you learn 
from Kobe just being around him on a daily basis? You know what? His passion and his willingness to work towards winning. Um, incredible work ethic, uh, but did it all. Studied the league. Uh, always watched film on opponents before he went there so that he would know what kind of game plan adjustments they were going to make for him. Uh, an absolute expert on personnel around the league. Uh, took great care of himself from diet to lifting to, you know, flexibility. I mean, he did it all. And, and uh, you know, I was only there obviously one year and he had the Achilles injury at the end. But, um, you know, he's, he's, he's one of a kind. And Steve, how about a new school question? Your gut reaction to Kevin Durant signing with the Warriors? Well, I mean, I, I don't know how people can be upset about that because, you know, nobody broke any rules. Uh, you know, I mean, he had a decision to make. It's his career. Uh, with the way the rules are currently, they had money under the cap. And, you know, he sacrificed a lot of money to go there. But, I mean, it's his career. So I, I don't see how um, – People can second-guess that. There was nothing underhanded or in any way unprofessional about it. I mean, he made a decision, and, um, you know, we go from there. He's not the first guy that's done that. And, Coach, I'd be remiss at this juncture not to ask you, Colin Kaepernick not standing for the National Anthem, taking a knee in the following exhibition game. How would you handle that situation if that was a position you were thrust into uh, as a head coach in professional sports, of course, with the Charlotte Hornets, if that was a scenario that you had to face? Well, again, my feeling on that is that uh, I don't see that he did anything wrong. Uh, first of all, they don't have a, they don't have a league role uh, regarding standing for the national anthem. See, in our league, there are rules, and the player would be fine for that. Um, so to me, you know, it's, it's part of living in a democracy. I mean, uh, he was trying to make a point. Uh, when you listen to him, I think his point is valid. I think he was trying to use his, I don't know what you'd say, his standing or his status as an athlete to prove a point. Um, and I certainly understand the other side of it or who people uh, who are offended by that. Uh, but again, I think uh, in a democracy, part of, of living in a, a country like ours is uh, being willing to listen to people who disagree strongly with what you believe in. So, again, I think that his intentions were good, um, and I don't see that he did anything wrong. And Coach, final question. I think many people are curious, what does an NBA coach do and his staff at this juncture three weeks prior to training camp opening? It's such a long season. Is it a Bill Walsh you plan from the end of the season backwards, or do you have charted out each day, each drill of training camp? I'm just curious what you're doing right now. Putting that stuff together, Bill, you know, um, trying to to, trying to get like a basic outline of what we want to get account accomplished in uh, training camp, um, you know, talking about the what, best way to put things in so you build the right foundation. And then also, I mean, one of the great things in, in, in one of his books was, you know, do all the things uh, 
make all the decisions that you're going to have to make in pressure situations now. So, you know, the late game offense, late game defense, uh, short clock plays, you know, we're working on all that stuff now so that when you get to the season, you have that stuff done uh, and you can concentrate more on the nuts and bolts of what you have to do to play well. Well, Coach, listen, we appreciate your time, and uh, of course, we wish you the best of luck from training camp throughout this campaign, and we look forward to uh, checking in with you with all progress related to the Charlotte Hornets. Hey, anytime, and I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks, Coach. Appreciate the time. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time on Horrendous Agenda. You can follow Bill on Twitter at Bill Horrenda and catch him daily on the KFBK Morning News.